Welcome to Silently Bleeding, Hope for the Pastor's Wife. I'm your host, Jan McIntyre. Today, we're interviewing Darlene McCarty in Never the Same. Darlene was a behind-the-scenes pastor's wife until a specific encounter she had with the Lord Jesus Christ that changed her into a speaker that shared the platform with T.D. Jakes. Let's jump right into this interview. Darlene, could you tell me just a little bit about you? Yes, as a matter of fact, in fact, last week I had a birthday, and so um, I turned uh, I can imagine 71. So we've been in the ministry 50 years. I have two daughters. They're both married to ministers. One's a missionary in Indonesia, the other pastors, Houston, Texas. And I have eight wonderful grandchildren. And I love to decorate. Uh, I love to organize. I love the monogram and I love to shop. Darlene, what was it like in your first few years of ministry with your husband? Well, it was definitely a new adventure because my husband was raised in the ministry and I was not. So I married into the ministry. We married in Bible school. And immediately the week after we got married, we took a youth pastor's job. Uh, I was on the quiet side. I was timid. I know it's kind of hard to believe that now, but uh, that's just the way that I was. I didn't say a lot. My husband knew not to ever hand me a microphone because when we got home, he would hear from me. I, I... would work in the church like I would decorate, I'd do fly arrangements, I'd do the banquet, I would paint, you know, all behind the scenes. Uh, then I branched out and I did the church bulletin. Uh, then I decided uh, we needed to set our daycare up. So I did that, but I did not speak. I did not teach. I did not sing. I was the church. I was that perfect pastor's wife. I was the pianist. <laughs> and then I moved to the organist. And the thing that I always said that I, I said my theme song was I shall not be moved. I sang it and I played it well because I did not move off that piano stool. (laughs) But my assignment at the very beginning, when we first got married and we had children, my assignment was to raise my daughters. You know, uh, I didn't want to branch uh, branch out. Uh, Thank goodness, because I didn't have that in me, but God called me to raise my daughter. So if I'm talking to someone and says, you know, I'm not involved a lot in the church, but if you have children, can I tell you something? Your first calling is to raise your children because see today I have a missionary and a pastor's wife. And that was my calling at that moment. So you were preparing them for ministry and you didn't even know it at the time. No, I had no idea. Had no idea. Darlene, how has your role changed over the years? Well, we've gone from youth pastoring to pastoring to a district office and back to pastoring and then to a district office. But the most life-changing experience was when I was 46 years old, we were involved in Pensacola Revival. And we went down to the Pensacola Revival and God did a a miraculous job and a life-changing experience in my husband and my life. Uh, I've never had this before and I've never had it since. But I actually had a vision from being at the Pensacola Revival. And in that, that vision, I saw a blackboard and on that blackboard, there were all kinds of hurts. And these hurts came from ministry, especially with pasture wives. We kind of take things uh, internal and people will say things about our husbands and there's nothing that we can do about it. Mm-hmm. And we just internalize it. So on this blackboard, I saw all the hurts from all the past of us being in ministry. Yeah. And the Lord came to me and I saw this big hand that was placed up on this blackboard. 
And he said, tonight I'm taking you under the anesthesia of the Holy Spirit. I'm taking you under the, the knife of the God Almighty. He said, we're going to perform plastic surgery upon your heart. And he said, your heart's going to be brand new. And one, one by one, he would take that eraser and he would mention certain hurts of things of the past. It can even be hurts maybe even as, as a child, but one by one, things begin to erase. Because then the Lord spoke to me this, and I actually did research afterwards. And of course he was right. But he said, you know, scars weigh heavier than flesh. So you prayed and asked God to heal wounds where people had hurt you. And I healed the wounds, but it left the scars. And this is something I've learned about the enemy. Things that he can see, he'll bring up. Mm. So those scars that was in my heart, he would bring them up and remind me of things of the past. But God said, we're going to erase them and he will have nothing to look at anymore to remind you. And then he spoke something else to me. He said, let the people go that have hurt you. Sure, they may be your best friends. They might not even live in the same neighborhood. You've dedicated their babies. You may, your husband may have even married them, but they walked out of your life. And something I've learned about people that leave in the church, they never leave alone. They always take somebody with them. And that's what I call a spirit of friendship. You know, we hear all about the spirit of Jezebel in the church, but I feel like the spirit of friendship is even more devastating than a Jezebel spirit because I take my offense to you and I share my offense to you well then you get offended because your best friend's offended then I form you know women we do things in groups so we get a group of of people and we all become offended on an opinion of what I have spoken and then those people leave your church and you're very devastated Mm. the Lord said let them go yeah he said let them go Then he said something very powerful. He said, they will stand before me for their action. And when he spoke that, I just said, God, go get them. I mean, I was right there with them. You know, we're going to put the wrath of God upon them. You know, I'm going to take the bowl of fire and brimstone. And when you say dump it on their head, I want to dump it. And I'm going to applaud. (laughs) And while I'm telling him all this, he stops me. He said, but wait a minute. He said something you have to listen to very carefully. Mm. He said, he said, they will stand before me for their action, but you will stand before me for your reaction to their action. Yeah. Man, that hit me right in the heart. Mm -hmm. And he said, are they really worth losing your soul over? Mm. Are they worth losing your joy over? Are they worth losing your eternal soul over? He said, they've gone on their merry way. They're doing their own thing. And he said, you're still allowing that memory to go on and on and on and on. And he said, tonight is going to totally be changed. So my role began to change because suddenly all the, the, the heaviness, the anger, the hurt, the pain was all erased off that blackboard. Praise the Lord. And I began to get a boldness in my spirit because I wanted to share that. Because I said, if God could do this for me, he could do it for you. And I, we came back from Pensacola and there was like a fresh anointing upon our life mm. and, and people began to see it. So people began to ask me to speak. Wow. Well, I'm going like, that means I have to move off the organ bench. <laughs> I have to hold a microphone in my hand. <laughs> and God said, I'm going to be with you. Mm. And I prayed, I said, God, give me a sign that I will know what, wherever I am and what I'm about to do that you're there. And he chose something so simple. He chose a little feather. 
The very first time I spoke, I was in this room. I was sitting on the front row. I looked up and I looked down at the podium right in front of the podium lay a little white feather. Wow. God said, that's the confirmation that I will not leave you. From that point on, I began to get invitations to speak. I was uh, a guest on TBN. Then they asked me to host it. Then I got an invitation to go speak at a conference in Florida where there were 10,000 women. I sat on the platform and I looked at all the seasoned women around me. This, my life had only been changed for about a year now. And these women were like 15, 20, 25, 30 years seasoned. I went, God, uh, I don't know if I can do this. Where's that <laughs> feather? I'm hunting for that feather. <laughs> and he spoke so sweet to my spirit. He said, don't you know, the anointing that I placed upon their life is the same anointing that's going to be upon you when you get up there to speak. Amen. When I walked up, I had that boldness. And then the next week I had another invitation and, 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 and you will not believe who I had to follow. I think it was a God set up. I, my, when I began to speak, the person I followed was T.D. Jakes from the pulpit. Wow. Oh, God of all people. He said, wait a minute. That anointing that rests upon him is the same anointing that rests upon you. So I went from there. I started a conference at my church. I did one. I did it for 23 years up until the time that we left. We would have between nine and 900 and 1200. I started a mentoring institute, which I did it up until the year that we left, where I have a level one, level two. They begin to mentor women, pour myself into them and other speakers to mentor them, to develop them into what God's called them to do. Amen. And and to top it all off, where I am right now, my life, I've written three books. I've just pulled my second book and I've re-edited it and added eight more chapters, updated the stories, and it should be available within the next three months. Oh, awesome. Awesome. That's what brought where I went from the piano stool to where I am today. Thank you for joining us on Silently Bleeding Hope for the Pastor's Wife. 